Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I heard in the news this week that two of our astronauts did a, a spacewalk out to repair an antenna on the International Space Station. So I went online and I, and I looked and I even watched a few minutes of the six hours of recording on YouTube of that rather incredible moment. And it made me stop and think and try to imagine what that would be like to be, to be floating out there in space trying to accomplish this important task surrounded by nothing <laughs> and everything, the whole universe. So it reminded me of a presentation that I saw years ago at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in, in Houston, Texas. And it was there that Colonel Jeffrey Williams was a member of that congregation. And Williams is a, a committed Christian and also a record-breaking astronaut, having spent more time in space than many others. And he's actually written a book about his experience during the six months that he spent on the International Space Station in 2006, during which he orbited the Earth 2,800 times and took more photographs than any astronaut in history. Truly a man after my own heart. Now the book published by Concordia Publishing House is called the work of his hands, a view of God's creation from space. And on the inside leaflet, Williams wrote these words. Every view from the window of the space station contains countless vivid lessons about the meticulous goodness of God's care for his creation and his wisdom in ordering the universe. Now this Advent, we are trying to learn how to do poetry, which I confessed in the sanctuary last week is something I'm not very good at. So we're looking at, at the Psalms and, and what we discover is that poetry actually begs us to turn on our imagination. And so the psalm that we're considering today, Psalm 66, bears this ancient label at the top of it to the choir master, which means that it was written for the public worship of, of God's people. Perhaps at a, at a festival like that of the Passover, where literally thousands upon thousands of people crowded into the city of Jerusalem and the atmosphere became electric. You could, you could feel the energy pulsating through the crowd. And the psalm begins, shout for joy all the earth. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So that's our destination this morning, that, that God's awesome deeds would lead us to shouts of joy this Advent season. Now, I happen to enjoy listening to radio shows like Science Friday and The Hidden Brain, 
because they, they explore this beauty, the mystery, the, the intricacies of the universe. And it's always fascinating to me to hear about the things that we already know and are still discovering as we, as we stare out into space and peer into the neuro network of the human brain. But I inevitably find myself smiling at some point in those broadcasters because, in my humble opinion, they have this naive notion that it's all just a cosmic accident. So I've lost track of how many science fiction movies I've watched about, about outer space and about inner space and about superheroes. Hollywood's ability to be able to picture some of those things tickles my imagination and I find myself thinking, where did all of those fantastic ideas come from? And if I could just put away my skeptical, cynical, 21st century American attitude for even a moment, my heart would begin to swell with excitement and fear at the very idea of God who created and who sustains surely more than we can even imagine. The psalmist writes, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. So mark those words carefully, because this is not a domesticated, tame God that you can put on a leash and keep as a pet. In C.S. Lewis's classic children's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the saving figure of God is portrayed as a mighty, fearsome lion named Aslan. And at one point in the story, the children ask, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Of course he's not safe, but he is good. Now, I thought that I might actually try and collect up enough public domain pictures to put up on the screen for you, maybe even some of the pictures from Colonel Williams' book. But here's what I know about picture taking. That while a picture may be worth a thousand words, a thousand pictures cannot even come close to actually being there. And your imagination is more powerful than those toodle big white squares on the wall. Verse 5 says, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. Now, compressed into three little verses is the whole story of God's salvation. If I was a filmmaker, right here would be a cutscene where we would flash back to a man named Abraham who somehow was able to experience the real presence of God, of the one and only true God, creator of the entire universe, saying to him, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless all the 
nations of the earth. And then it would quickly flash forward to Isaac and then to Jacob, whose name was changed to, to Israel, whose descendants would wind up being slaves in Egypt for 400 plus years. Now, can you imagine the teenagers of the eighth generation of slaves? Now, no offense to any of the young people who are here, it's just my observation that waiting hasn't always been your strongest suit. I mean, can you think about hearing about a promise that was made to your great, 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 great grandpa? That someday, someday one of your descendants would come and he'd make the whole world right again? I mean, it, it, it seems, well, I impossible in second peter which was only a couple decades after jesus had ascended back into heaven promising that he would come again in glory peter who was one of jesus early followers had to write these words to the people scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, and they will say, where is the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning. To which Peter then responds, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day and the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I am pretty sure that by the time Moses showed up, there were as many scoffers as there are today. And then the impossible happened. The most powerful nation in the world was brought to its knees and then in a dying gasp tried to stop God from rescuing his own people and it was there on the shores of the Red Sea where our awesome God did what the psalmist writes turned the sea into dry land and the people passed through and the enemies of Egypt were drowned. And then for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness as God sought to teach them people just one lesson over and over and over again. Fear, love, and trust in me above all things. And after those 40 years, as if to remind them of that great Red Sea experience, God did it again. He put down his mighty hand and he stopped the waters of the Jordan River that piled up. And they once more, as the psalmist writes, passed through the river on foot and marched into the promised land. But that, that was only a preview. That was, that was only the two and a half minute trailer 
at the movie theater designed to whet your appetite for the bigger and grander and more gracious plan to rescue not one tiny little nation, but all people of all time. Because know it or not, humanity is enslaved to sin. Now, when Jesus told the religious people of his day that, they balked and they said, we have never been slaves to anyone. How dare you make us confess every week that we are by nature sinful and unclean? And Jesus calmly pointed out that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so unless you've managed to pull off a perfect week in every thought, every word, and every deed, people, you need to probably pay attention. Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us over and over and over and over again from all unrighteousness. Now, if I had time this morning, I would line you all up and I would march you out to the baptismal font because there are the waters of your Red Sea moment. In the simple water of baptism, God leads us through on the dry ground and our enemies of sin and death and the devil are drowned in the wake. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too now walk in newness of life. And on the other side of the baptismal font is your life in the wilderness. It's the here and the now. It's us learning the same lesson that God's Old Testament people had to learn how to fear, how to love, and how to trust in God above all things. So that at the end... We who have believed, who have clung to Jesus for the ongoing daily forgiveness of our sins and receive little glimpses of his glory along the way, will cross over our Jordan into the promised land of the new heaven and the new earth when Jesus comes again. I mean, how does the old spiritual go? I looked over Jordan and what did I see? A band of angels coming after me. God's awesome deeds draw us out shouts of Advent joy. But just in case that's all a little too boring for you, <laughs> or maybe it just sounds like so much pie in the sky by and by, our psalm now turns and becomes profoundly realistic. Tested like silver, caught in a net, crushed under a burden, ridden over. God's awesome deeds 
reach all the way down into the struggles and the sufferings of a life lived in a broken world surrounded by broken people. We sat in a meeting this past week and we were asked to, to reflect on, on those moments in our lives when we, when we experienced a growth and development in our relationship with God. And it wasn't too surprising that there were some, there were some mountaintop experience, but probably an equal number were Death Valley experiences. And it reminded me of the 23rd Psalm, where, by the way, if you check, it does not say, yea, though I give you a detour around the valley of shadow of death, or yea, though I will give you a helicopter ride over the valley of the shadow of death. No, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When you feel caught and crushed and controlled by the circumstances of this life, remember that God is doing some of his most awesome deeds. Testing, refining, purifying, shaping you into the person that he created you to be. Look, I... I don't know how it goes for you, but sometimes I get caught trapped in a sin that won't let me go. Now, all sin is ultimately like an addiction. I mean, maybe it's easier to see when it's those big, ugly, socially unacceptable things, but, but sometimes it's the seemingly harmless little sins that trap me in a cycle of sourness. I just feel mean sometimes. <laughs> and it comes out in words. Now, sometimes they're intentional, but most of the times without me even realizing it, they're words that, that, that tear myself down or that tear someone else down. Three times I caught myself this week with words coming out of my mouth that wounded. And it wasn't horrible. It was just careless. Sometimes it's not your sin, but the brokenness of the world around you that becomes a, a crushing burden, a broken marriage and a broken economy where you lost your job, the broken health, whether it's yours or one of your loved ones that has robbed you of the hope and the plans that you had for the future. But when we are caught in sin and we are crushed by a broken world, our very souls cringe because we feel out of control. I can't fix me, and I can't fix you, and I can't fix the world. But there is a God right smack dab in the middle of the mess who, to quote the psalmist, is keeping your soul among the living and not letting your feet slip. 
mean, don't you see that, that Jesus was caught, that Jesus was crushed at the cross, that Jesus surrendered his control over all things just to keep your soul among the living and to not let your foot slip? And then Jesus rose from the dead and now he lives and reigns to all eternity. And when I remember to look to him, my hope and my strength are renewed. Our text ends with these words. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And my friends, that starts even now in the less than pleasant moments of our lives. And you usually can't even tell when you're in the midst of some testing or some refining moment. But you know what you can do? You can look to Jesus and to his cross and to his resurrection and you can cry out to God, I don't know why you are allowing this in my life and I don't like it and I want you to take it away but I know for certain that it is not to hurt me or to harm me. Help me to endure and to trust in you. And God will always answer that prayer. Someone sent this to me this week. I want to read it to you. Sometimes I just want to stop. All this talk of COVID and protests and looting and brutality, I lose my way. Become convinced that this new normal is real life. But then I met an 87-year-old who talks about living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam protests, and yet is still enchanted with his life. He seemed surprised when I, I said to him that that last year or so must have been especially challenging for him. And he looked me directly in the eyes and he said very slowly, no. Because I have learned a long time ago not to see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the realization that we love big. Therefore, I choose to write my own headlines. Husband loves wife. Family drops everything to come to grandma's bedside. And then he patted me on the hand and said, old man makes new friend. It concludes. His words collided with my worries, freeing them from the tether that I had been holding to, and they floated away, and I am left with a renewed spirit. I like that a lot. So here's how my headline reads. God's awesome deeds draw forth shouts of joy. Now go write a headline. Amen? Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in this true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.